last day of Feb. We're almost flipping the page to a little springtime. Does it feel like it, though? No, today couldn't have been the most opposite of that sentence. It's Another one of those thick layer of ice days on the car. Ugh. Not my favorite days. Let's leave it in Feb, though. You know what? It's uh, it's great. We've had a nice run of a couple sprinkled extreme storms and generational weather climate issues. It's time. Tomorrow's March. I'd like to see the spring. I'd like to see the flowers popping up. The sun's not going to set till after six or before six a.m. for eight months. Justin, Mm -hmm. you're very excited about that. Sent you that. We do. (laughs) We do have to make progress this month, right? We have to. You can't not make progress in March. So at least we have that. Okay. So this is a leap year, right? A leap year? I don't think so. We're just rocking 28 days. Does it mean it's a... It's a non-leap year. Yeah, that's right. Why Why is February like 28 and 29? Just like, what's the know, point? Something about the sun, probably. In the our, Gregorian calendar, whoever made that. The speed at I'll which we move questions. around the sun. I don't get it. I hate when there's an extra day. I don't even know. It's not that often, is it? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's every four years, is it not? Is it four years? Oh, boy. Here we go. Either way, it's 25% of the time But max. it just should just be 30 and 31. Like, what are we doing here? I don't mind the 28 because okay. February goes fast. Well, because there's two less Chop days. Chop off a few days, yeah. <laughs> Three days. Extend those long months. What's August? is easy 31, right? Or is it August 30? should be 30. July is 31. August should be about 34 days. You can make July 36, 37. Stretch but then we'd it out. be really messing with the old, what do you call it, Gregorian? I believe it's the Gregorian calendar that we'd we are really in. really messing with it. The Mayans are itching here shout now. Out, shout out to those who figured that out, basically with no information, no internet. I'm like looking up everything at all times. I have no, I have no brain power. Just everything is just immediately Google it. And they're out there fig- figuring out time. That's right. There's someone that's like a Jeopardy nerd that's going to text sun. in right now about... What we're talking about. I hope so. We got to learn. With the it's turning. It's either the text line or Google. That's yeah, the only way I get that's my That's all we have. We have only those options yeah. in our own brains and they don't provide much. Um, okay. With the turning of the calendar tomorrow morning, we've decided it's time for a new intro song for our show. For those mm-hmm. listening live on the radio, it's no more Gloria because we manifested and you brought this up. It was right. great. I, I think it's job done. Laura Brannigan, we went with. We had, you know, we had, uh, we bonded over the 2019 Cup run for the St. Louis Blues. Mm-hmm. And of course, that was their song. So we thought it was appropriate. But now that it's like served its purpose, its purpose being bringing Ryan O'Reilly to Toronto, we figured we, we could move it. on. We could move on a little bit. And maybe we have another purpose here with our show music. So maybe there's some suggestions. 59590, you're listening right now. You know the intro music. It's time to. Retire Gloria. And we're going to go month to month, we're right? Month to month. So, so it's not what's an everyday your thing song? where there's pressure to come up with a song every day and Josh has got to grind to get a new song no. in every month, maybe something that pertains to the month. Yes. And we're open to suggestions. It is March. It is time for a new song. And you're welcome for Ryan O'Reilly. And we did it. We did it. <laughs> okay. Holy smokes. They're doing it. Maple Leafs are going all in even more so than we had thought with Ryan O'Reilly and Noel Achari making a huge splash yesterday, maybe in response to what the Eastern Conference is doing. Nonetheless, Toronto receives your guys, Jake McCabe, Sam Lafferty, a 2024 conditional fifth-round pick, a 2025 conditional fifth-round pick. Chicago will also retain 50% of McCabe's salary. To Chicago, Joey Anderson. Nice nice to know you. Yeah. Pavel Gogolev, 2025 conditional first-round pick and a 2026 second-round pick. The conditions on that are top 10 protected, is it? Yes. That is correct. Dubas must have listened to our segment. <laughs> when we were talking about Jake McCabe, I guess he just left out Max Domi. Uh, but this was always something we kind of had circled, right? Maybe it was just the convenience of Chicago coming through and then the Leafs going to Chicago. I think they played them two out of three the times. The Kyles, they're friends again. The Kyles is, the Kyles, I want to get into the Kyles. You want to start with the Kyles? Yeah, let's start with so that. the Kyles of Kyle Davidson, who's the general manager of the Chicago Blackhawks, and Kyle Dubas, who of course is general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs, they've got a little, they got a little something, right? They got a little relationship and it was at one time contentious. Was it last year? Mm-hmm. Leafs were flirting with Marc-Andre Fleury. Kyle Dubas didn't like the fact that people knew he was flirting with Mike Marc-Andre Fleury, and there was a bit of an issue, a little 
a little rift between there was the Kyles. a little shout out. But then, you know, cooler heads prevailed in the summer. The Leafs found a way to stash Peter Morazic with the Chicago Blackhawks, and now they've revisited their trade chatter once again. So these Kyles have found each other, and I think it's really, really important. <laughs> I think it's a really underrated thing that's the going on right now. GMs. But, like, we've heard about, like, oh, does everyone want to deal with Dubas? Does everyone like Dubas? Does Lou Lamorello want to deal with Kyle Dubas? No, I don't think anyone's expecting the New York Islanders and Toronto Maple Leafs to consummate a deal at any point. But these two have found each other, and they found each other at the right time because they're trying to do opposite things. One of them is trying to compete for a Stanley Cup. One of them is trying to sell off any part that will help them be bad. And when those two interests are not competing at all, and no one else really, not, I won't say no one else, but maybe they both haven't formed the relationships that a Lou Lamorello has across the, the National mm-hmm. Hockey League, they can lean on each other to continue to chase their agendas. It's, like not, an old boy, this, it's not an old boys club, it's a young boys club. It's a young boys club. The two Kyles, the two young guys, the two young general managers are finding each other and working and finding a way to use each other's assets and situations to the best of their ability. The Leafs now have gotten, have dumped off a contract and taken back two players in Jake McCabe and Sam Lafferty, who can not only help them this year, but help them for multiple seasons. I think the two Kyles, an underrated story. Okay, well. Love it. All right. Big day for Kyles yes. yesterday. Um, so Jake McCabe going to wear number two, failed opportunity to wear the old McCabe jersey. Mm-hmm. And Lafferty, number 28. I got to say number two is one of the of, worst numbers. Is it? I don't like it. It's okay two. for a defenseman. You need to be... In addition to LeBron's PR, Jake McCabe's PR. Yeah, it's all right. Um, okay, so the the package in, the package out, compared to what we saw the Tampa Bay Lightning do. Oh, we're doing comparisons to Tampa. Well, I'm just saying. We saw this the day okay. before, basically, at right. night. Now we see this the next day. I must say, it, to me, is a huge win for the Maple Leafs. It's everything that we had circled that they needed. You can't tell me you look at this roster that has been constructed over the last two weeks and think that they have not put themselves in the best opportunity to make this playoff run different. And I know that there are still goaltending questions, and there are still three or four days left, three days left here before the trade deadline. And maybe that's a maybe that's a, an addition that's possible. But you already came into this season, Kyle Dubas, with the idea that you're going to go with these two goaltenders. You're risking your reputation, as we said, with getting these two guys that had question marks. And you've now bolstered every other area except for the, def- the goaltenders. Mm-hmm. It would be great to get all three forward depth, offense, a defense core that is a playoff ready defense lineup, and another goaltender. I don't think that's going to happen. But if you look at everything that's happened over the last two weeks, I don't know how you can't be happy, how you can't be excited about this team looking completely different, looking like one of the strongest Maple Leafs lineups we've seen on paper in years, mm-hmm. and think for me, it's the players now. It is all on the players. You've been given the best opportunity to make this a different outcome. I think Kyle Dubas has nailed this trade deadline, and it's not done yet. But if it was to end today, I would think that so far he did everything and more. Uh, I think what you were saying with the Lightning when Julian Breesbaugh, he needs a Kyle. He mm-hmm. needs someone who's not who's going to give him some assets without you know absolutely unloading the future's covered in order to get it, but that? that's a different story. Barely I, anyone from the regular roster has left the team. Exactly. Kyle Dubas. So nice. I, I, that's, that's kind of my point with the Kyles. I'm joking around about it, but he targeted two teams who have clear direction and he was able to minimize the damage in terms of what you had to sell in order to get those players. You're right. It's all on the players. Now, Kyle Dubas has unequivocally and without a doubt done his job. Mm-hmm. Like you, if he didn't have the the torment of five, six, whatever years of playoff failure, you would be working as hard as you can to retain this guy. If you do not retain this guy, he's going to be going to another team in the blink of an eye. He has built a very, very good roster, and in order to in going all in, adding four pieces, plugging the four holes, I guess you could you could pinpoint in terms of areas of need. He hasn't spent as much as nearly anyone. That's right. In order to do it. I mean, the Geno package is pretty much what the Leafs have given up for their four players in a lot of ways. 
Uh, Achari, O'Reilly, Lafferty, McCabe, they all fill roles. You can't pinpoint a single weakness. You don't have to worry about the fourth line. I guess maybe the arrangement you have to worry about, where all these people are going to fit, where hey, that's who a McCabe good is going to fit with. Yeah, it's all on Sheldon Keefe now. If you complain, if you're Sheldon Keefe, which you wouldn't, but if you complain or you're a fan and you complain about this roster, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. It is really, really good. Yes, it's going to hurt them down the line because they only have one pick, I think, in the first three rounds. The next, But that's why you go all in. But that's what you do. Imagine imagine they went from just getting Nolachari and Ryan O'Reilly and they saw the Bruins get better and the Lightning get better and the Devils get better and the Rangers get better. Apparently in a couple of days also get Patrick Kane. Mm-hmm. That's a half measure. That's not doing enough. You already got... It's, it's checking a box. You're right. You got halfway, 80% all in. Then you yeah. saw other teams react. You needed to do this. This move needed to happen. And I, honestly, I don't even think it's about other teams. I think it's about your team. Your team wasn't good enough yet. That's right. It wasn't quite... I think you do think about the other teams, though. You should because, it, because yes, the, the teams are great and you have to worry about your competition. But in the end, I think you would have got to the point where you've been like, oh, we, we really needed one more defenseman here. 100%. Like, it just wasn't enough. We hated this third line all year or we hated this fourth line all year and we just rolled them out in the playoffs that was make or break. I, I think they had these holes and they addressed all of them. And now you can't put the onus on anyone else. Kyle Dubas gave Sheldon te- keep the team. Keith has the players. They all have to lean on each other, of course. But there is no complaining with this roster. And you keep Matthew Nyes and you keep this person that we have all put up on this pedestal, hopefully deservedly so. And we're excited to see his impact in maybe a month or two, month and a half. After the NCAA playoffs. If there's even a spot for him. If there's, well, there'll be a spot. Zach Aston Reese doesn't have a spot anymore all of a sudden. That's fine with me. And and there might be someone going on the, uh, on the way out. But again, you are running 13 deep easily. All the people you're getting excited about. Bobby McCann, Pontus Holberg. Non-options mm-hmm. at this point. Because you have added so many forwards to this team that are highly, highly functional. Okay, so... There will have to probably be a move, and we'll get into that with the salary cap and Matt Murray possibly coming back from LTIR. Um, but everything said, this is this is one of the best rosters that I tried to go back and rack my brain that I've seen as a Maple Leaf fan. It it's you can't pre- really compare it. It's yeah, it's pretty damn good. And I don't think in my lifetime probably there's there's something there, but. I don't remember it. I don't have conscious memories of That's a team right. better than this one, at least on paper. When you're a player now in this locker room and you look around, you saw what your organization has done for your playoff run. It's different than last year's trade deadline. It's different than the trade deadline before that. This is chips in the middle of the table. And now it's on you as your leadership group, your core four, your depth performers, your veterans. This is it. Like you look around, that's got to give you a boost. That's got to give you a, a level of confidence that, they believe in us. We're doing this. Like, this is different for us this time around. It does, but, like, why is it different? Like, they've been given everything. Not like Austin this. Matthews, Mitch Marner, John no, I mean, Tavares. at the trade deadline, I think it makes a big difference. But, I mean, all these guys have been given this every year. Like, Kyle Dubas has done this before. Maybe not the same approach, but you got Nick Foligno in the bubble season okay. where you were dominating everyone. It shouldn't have been like, oh, we're, what, yeah, we're ready to go. We're, we've, we've bolstered an already dominant team. Yeah, maybe you're not going to say the same thing about Mark Giordano, but still Mark Giordano, someone to be excited about. You still have a really good team. I guess this is double the fun, but does that double the amount of motivation that you receive as a player? Maybe. I hope so, at least. I would hope it maybe doesn't. Maybe that's hopeful thinking. I would but... hope it doesn't hinge just on that. No, I don't think it does either. I'm just saying an added boost. I think if you looked around and you were in that locker room and you saw what your team was doing, I think you'd feel a level you of boost. You better. Yeah. You better. Okay, so now we have a good problem is we got to figure out where these guys are playing. Who's getting matched up with who? Who might be on the way out? They're going to have to probably move a body out due to the cap with uh, Matt Murray, who's apparently going to come off LTIR this week. Yeah, they're on like a million over if Matt Murray comes back. So there are a couple good clips. So Dubas, they're on. They're in Seattle, by the way. They got to go to the Bruce Springsteen concert last night as a squad. That's awesome. That's some good team bonding right there. I, I think the it. new guys came in in time, too. I think they got to see... Um, Wonder if they add tickets late, and then I was probably to think in a box or something. Eh? But in terms of waiting, in terms of you know, there's still some time this week, and I think it's going to be a sit around and see what happens situation for Kyle Dubas. And he mentioned that having a little bit of patience is important in the stretch because you never know. Matt Murray could come off, could not come off. There could be an injury. You could see what happens with that extra $1 million that they got to figure out. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised, actually, if they had that deal in place already, whatever it is. 
if it's very interesting looking at their lineup because you know the two candidates seem fairly obvious in terms of who you might want to discard mm-hmm. however they've given themselves enough room where it could be someone like it doesn't have to be 3 million dollars remarkably they have seven forwards now under 7 uh, or under 10 million dollars seven forwards that are going to play for you under 10 million dollars all of them would be options to get you cap compliant, but I don't think they're going with any of those options. Uh, I like what he said. He said, when time is on your side, use it. And Mm -hmm. what he means by that, I think, is, hey, we don't have to do this yet because something could happen. And they'll take their time all the way up till Friday to see if they actually have to move that body because if someone gets hurt, let's say Kerfoot breaks his foot blocking a shot tomorrow night in Edmonton. That'd be an easy decision, wouldn't He's it? on LTIR. You don't have to move him. You don't have to move Pierre Engvall. You don't have to move someone in order to be cap compliant if an injury happens over the next two games. So I wouldn't be surprised if they know exactly what they have to do. Of course, they don't know exactly what they have to do. But if it's already not in place, and Friday, if they get to the point where we got to bring Murray back and we have no one mm-hmm. else that we can stash on LTIR, that move is made and they're cap compliant and ready to go for the playoffs. Dubas did speak about if there were more moves to come, um, We'll play that clip here, Josh, if you can tee it up. we got a couple of things. He talks about what he likes about McCabe, what he likes about Lafferty. We can get into that because I don't think many people are watching 100% of Chicago Blackhawks games. We did just see them. We did talk about them pity you if you did. two weeks ago. But um, here is Dubis on if there are more moves to come in the next couple of days. I think we'll still be busy and active and try to find if there's any way that we can continue to improve. I'm, it's at the balance now where you kind of get between, are you, are you changing the group too much? Or, um, But the guys have received the Noel and Ryan so well. I think being on the road has helped. We got them. We were at home and then we were in uh, Chicago and Buffalo, one home game and then on, on the road trip. So they have to be together all the time. And uh, unlike in the uh, COVID year where you were just in the hotel, they can actually go out and do things together and kind of build that camaraderie. Okay, so... That's true. You don't want to tinker too much, but if there's a move out there that can help even 10% of this playoff run, maybe you do it. Um, a couple of remarkable things with this, with this, what he's done and what he, how he's reached this point where you got Ryan O'Reilly under 2 million, Noel Achari just over a million, Sam Lafferty just over a million, uh, and Jake McCabe at 2 million, is that they still have maximum flexibility. Mm-hmm. Like if there is another home run swing, if there is a, another way where you can materially improve this roster and it's really hard to look at and figure out where exactly that could be, you can do it. You could package Alex Kerfoot and give up, give up Nyes or Sandine or whatever in order to get to the point where you're cap compliant. It's not like this onerous thing where you'd have to move $5 million plus in order to get a, uh, a move done. You don't have to do what the New York Rangers are doing to try and get Patrick Kane, which is playing guys but sitting them God, so they don't really get counting hurt your and pocket count, change yeah going day after day after day to try and accrue as much cap room as possible in order to make that move kyle dubas despite all this movement has retained maximum flexibility here there is a lot he can do if he so chooses to do it i just don't know what else he can really do looking at this roster what I liked most about yesterday's deal was Lafferty and McCabe are not rentals. And if you looked at some of the other moves around the league in the last little while, there has been some all-ins for UFAs. And that's fine because some of them are better hockey players than Lafferty and McCabe. But Lafferty's one more year at $1.5 million. McCabe's two more years at this $2 million 50% cap hit. That's a really great steal. And now you have your defense looks pretty set for the next couple of years. And that's that's a good level of security to have. Yeah, you can improve, and yeah, you hope for some progress from some of the younger end of your defense core. But, I mean, Sandine's getting pushed really far down this lineup, maybe into mm-hmm. the press box. Connor Timmins isn't going to be an everyday playoff performer, and that's as easy it is to make this type of deal and get that get that going. Um, there were some other options in the defense. Gavrikov, but he's a UFA with some big money coming. Yeah, he's a better defense. Is he? Well, if you don't think so, then there you go. I'm not, I'm not but, convinced. But to, Again, I'm not a Jake McCabe expert based on the fact that I haven't been watching 100% of Chicago for games. For this amount of time with 50% at $2 million and Gavrikov's a UFA with big money coming, I like McCabe better. The one thing I do know mm-hmm. is that he is valuable at $2 million. I want, yeah. Uh, Ekholm was someone we talked about with Kipper and others this mm-hmm. week. He's 33 with $6.25 million for the next three years. So... Yeah. yeah, if you chop that in half, but again, you have to have a 
mm-hmm. a team willing to do that. These are reasons why I like the deal, Jake yeah. McCabe. Um, I think that he can play a Muzzin-esque replacement. Yep. He's played with Seth Jones this entire season, mostly on the top pairing with competition. Yeah, he played for the Chicago Blackhawks. We get it. But he's had the best numbers out of their defense core. And he's going to have an opportunity to eat major minutes and be a top four defenseman on this team. Mm-hmm. I think it's a slam dunk to get him. He can help with the geo burden a little bit of weathering some of that time. He's they, People say he plays with a lot of grit. Um, he can be a PKer. He can be a lefty that plays on his offside too. Like these are check mark, check mark, check mark, check mark things that you wanted on your back end. I like the Jake McCabe edition. That's not even getting into Lafferty. Uh, I think the hardest thing to evaluate in hockey is a defenseman who plays for a bad team (laughs) Uh, because the numbers, you know, you don't have the counting stats necessarily. It's not like they're scoring 20 goals. You'd be like, oh, he's got a little scoring ability. That's easy. You can see that because it happens in isolation. What happens with Jake McCabe is not in isolation. He's playing for a bad team and he's having to shoulder a major load on a bad team. And usually, despite your best efforts, despite how talented you are, it's going to have an effect on your numbers. The good thing about Jake McCabe is he's got a positive goal differential playing big-time minutes on one of the worst teams in the league. Now, does that translate immediately? Is he automatically a really positive, elite, even defenseman? Uh, You can't say that. I don't know how this fit is going to be perfectly. However, you can at least make some inference that he is a positive player based on the fact that he is, despite playing in a horrible environment, Mm -hmm. giving decent results to a horrible team. I think that's, you know... That's important. The most important thing, though, is the $2 million and the extra two seasons. Because you're not only building for this year, and we've talked about this ad nauseum. We don't have to go over it again. My number one rule. You had to protect 2024. And with this deal, you get two players for 2024. And suddenly you have a framework in place for next season with your defense core. We were talking at the start of the year. They have no one, mm-hmm. they have no one beyond the core four signed and Callie Yarncroke and... Uh, Morgan Riley, and I guess one more year of TJ Brody. But now they have seven defensemen signed through 23-24 at under $20 million. You don't even have to worry this summer about your defense, really, because you've got this addition. You've got someone who slots in the top four at only $2 million moving forward. Even if Kyle Dubas isn't around this summer, you're kind of in good hands. The next person that comes in, yeah, you might have to make a move. Maybe, Maybe you have to do it just out of a demonstration because you're new and you have to change things up. But you've got but a you good wouldn't need defense. to be starting with your decor. You're not be looking for goaltending, maybe. You're look. You're looking in a lot of different ways. There are a lot of forwards they have to sign. So yeah, you're doing. You you have to do a lot, but you don't have to do much with the defense core that's suddenly complete here with Jake McCabe. So I think he deserves a lot of credit for the McCabe addition, and it's it's about targeting the right team. Again, going back to the two Kyles, they found teams that are not like Nashville didn't have to give up Tanner Janot. And in order for them to do it, you had to twist their arm. You had to give them more than they could ever refuse. With Davidson, he's just trying to clear. It's his job to clear, clear, clear. And with all these defensemen still available, the Gavrikovs, the Chikrins, the Carlsons, if you want to go there, he just had to make the right move. He just had to make a move. And he got Kyle, and he got Jake McCabe off the books for a first-round pick, and he can be celebrated for that, and it works out perfectly for Dubas because Davidson has no interest in being good for three years and therefore can retain half the salary. Here's a Dubas himself on what he likes about the addition of McCabe. We obviously played against him a lot when he was in Buffalo. Um, spoke to them uh, in the summer. It was 21 now going back to it um, when he was a free agent coming off of an ACL injury. Um, just always liked how physically as competitive he is in neutral zone and uh, combined with how he can defend and, and move the puck. Uh, seems to relish that role and when we're going through different guys, obviously it's with Jake Muzzin out that creates the, the hole there that we've talked about in previous availabilities and uh, feel like he, he fits that and then uh, once we kind of got through the salary part with um, with uh, Chicago it, it just kind of fits in and makes sense and I also like the fact that he's got this year and two more to follow and uh, obviously he's, he's played very well and with he's mostly been with uh, with Seth Jones there in Chicago and, and done a very good job for them so it's gave us a good chance to see how he would play against top competition each night and we'll leave it to Sheldon and, uh, and Dean to sort out how they want to go through that and uh, but we're really excited to have him okay so before we move to Lafferty let's talk about where Jake McCabe might slot in on this defenseman lineup so the Maple Leafs are in action tomorrow against the Oilers and then back-to-back 
against the Flames before Friday's trade deadline where they're not playing. So they have two more opportunities to see everybody before there might be a final move. This is fun, though. You have an opportunity to, like, mix and mingle. He also plays both sides, so you have ample opportunity, which is the same as TJ Brody. It's just the same as Mark Giordano. Like, they do have a lot of flexibility with their back end. That, I guess, makes it a little bit more complicated when trying to figure out Mm -hmm. exactly what Sheldon Keefe will do. So let's talk about what we we might do if you're Sheldon Keefe, if you're trying to put together this lineup to see the best playoff roster for the back end. I okay. saw what you wrote here if you'd like to go through. Uh, okay, so... It's pretty just, similar to what I want. If I'm to. trying to get into Sheldon's brain, he likes to... He likes soft landings, right? He likes putting you in a position to succeed right away. Now, is that with Morgan Riley? I, I'm not really sure. I guess you could argue against that. But in theory, you play with your number one defenseman. You're in a, in a, good, in a good spot to contribute right away. I also think we've been... Okay, we have been somewhat unsatisfied with Morgan Riley's play all season long. We've been somewhat unsatisfied with the partners he's been giving over the course of his mm-hmm. career with the Toronto Maple Leafs. So why not see if this works right away? That's exactly I, I, where I'm I going I feel to. like, yeah, if, if this is a smashing success, then you've not only fixed the problem where you don't have as many capable defensemen as you need, but you got someone to play with Morgan Riley. Uh, I think you start Riley and McCabe, and then it gets a little bit more complicated, I guess. Uh, I have Brody with Hall. I don't even know if Hall is going to be playing per se, but I feel like Brody is the ultimate stabilizer and can help Justin Hall eat up those quiet minutes mm-hmm. like he was doing in the middle of the season. And then you have Gio and Liljegren who can probably do some damage against lesser competition in sheltered minutes. Liljegren being a talented guy, obviously, and Gio who can do a little bit of everything, but you don't want to put too much on his shoulders. So right now I go Riley McCabe, Brody Hall, Gio, Liljegren, and Sandine is... To be honest, it's not really much of a competition. He's on the sidelines for me. Sidelines, press box, or maybe out the door. Um, I like the McCabe-Riley pairing as well. It's just, it's, I know people are going to be like, you're looking for someone to play with Morgan Riley. You just signed him for whatever. Yeah, it's tough that that's the situation that you're trying to find the right fit for Morgan Riley, but this could it could be it. He's pretty responsible defensively. He can play big minutes on this team that we saw, which obviously isn't as successful as Maple Leafs, but I think he could do it here. He could step into that role. I like how it pushes Gio down because Gio has been an absolute workhorse for this team. On the short list of MVPs for this team. Truly. Shot blocking record and all. (laughs) And I want to see him be able to be at his best in the playoffs. That means, I think, a little bit less of a load here down the stretch and into that opportunity. So that's basically what I had. I did think that sometimes it could be Maybe an interesting um, shutdown unit of like Riley. I mean, sorry, of McCabe Geo. I did see that floated around a little bit, like once in a while to put those guys together. But my ideal lineup is exactly how you put it. I like that McCabe can play both sides. I yeah. do think that that's going to be extremely valuable, and hopefully, he can find a way to make the Morgan Riley experiment solidified i was flirting with that idea but then i got to haul Liljegren, and i'm like that's not exactly it's not gonna work but you can crush a top four like you can have a top four decor that is like eating 20 25 minutes just absolutely steamrolling yeah. other teams and but that's not the way that i see this going i'm just I, saying I, if you're looking for some flexibility there is another alternate route it's not my preferred route i i think the the important part of the mccabe and why it was necessary for them to make this move is because you are never going to be comfortable with a Sandine Liljegren or Timmins Liljegren bottom pair. Like no. you can't hide a bottom pair that much. You Especially can shelter against it. Tampa and exactly. Boston you and get, co. You're going to have Tanner Janot smashing into the boards and pretty much everyone on the Boston Bruins is capable of doing that. So I feel like you had, you have to have three capable pairings. Yes, that's the if best If you're going to beat these two teams and with McCabe, I think that at least they have the personnel to do that. Again, the arrangement, I'm not really sure. There's also questions about the lineup now. I mean, I guess there has to be if you add what could be an entire third line if you really wanted to. You could you could start there. You could have O'Reilly, Achari, and Lafferty just playing on your third line. And I'm under the in the, the impression that this was a, a sore point. Like I've been defending David Camp all year long and, and wanting him to have a bigger, bigger role. But I think there was frustration with the performance of the bottom six, and that was really, really important to address. Now, will they address it with O'Reilly? I'm not really sure. But putting the putting the pieces in place is not really an easy task. I, I'll, I did the defense, so you, you can start with the forward lineup if you want. I didn't write it out. I know, but you do it in your head. 
God, I wanted to talk about Lafferty's additions first just to see what he brings. But Okay, I, go with that. No, no, I, I think we're what, still... Where do you think he belongs then? We'll start with him and I we'll think he could be a great. He way. could be good on this fourth line, making a big, a big fourth line that's tough to play against. What did we talk about in the last playoff series? That they got nothing from their bottom six, right? I mean, there was nothing from the top six really either. At yeah, times. you but definitely you need a bottom I mean, David six. Camp scored a couple goals. Yeah, there he great, is again. Cool. But like you, you need it's not enough. It's not even about goals necessarily. It's about impact. There was no impact. You're getting nothing you of a, substance exactly of value it. from the bottom Deep six. Deep in the bottom six, an area of weakness in the past playoff series, a tough to play against bottom six. That's for me, that's Lafferty. You know, maybe he, the thing about him that I like is he can go up and down the lineup too. So I don't see this being so set in stone that we lay out a, a a four forward lineup and that's the way it is. You have O'Reilly, which we just talked about as an addition, who can play second line, third line. We still don't really know where he he's really getting slotted is, in he there. He still is the piece, right? He's still, he's the, still hybrid, the piece that's going to which, figure out. And that's how what this made looks. it difficult for me to like lay out the four lines because I could see him being second line and third line. I could see Lafferty being someone that jumps over an underperforming third line mm-hmm. winger, even a centerman. I don't know. Are you seeing that Kerfoot's out the door? I've been seeing rumors and, and we're gonna talk we actually have David Pinota on at seven, who's been part of this conversation about is Kerfoot maybe out the door already? Is is he going to go to Vancouver? We've seen this online. I mean, I don't see having Kerfoot, Zach Asson, Reese, Engvall all in the lineup or on this roster moving forward. So I will say if Kerfoot's out the door, gone. something else is coming back in, right? Because you only have to shed about a million, million and a half. Kerfoot makes three and a half. Yeah, that's right. What, you're not gonna. You're not gonna. You're not going into the playoffs if you're Kyle Dubas just not using $2 million. So who's the weakest link to, Zach Aston-Reese? I think Zach Aston-Reese is playing on the fourth line when the playoffs roll around. I think I think someone is going out the door, whether it's Kerfoot or mm-hmm. Engvall. I think if you're so fed up with your third line that you just change it completely, and maybe it is O'Reilly, Yarncroke, and Lafferty, and then maybe it's Achari, Kampf, and Zach Aston-Reese, and then you have Tavares, Nylander, did I mention Lafferty yet? Yeah, you put him on the third line. So it would have to be Engvall or Kerfoot. Still, uh, even if the way... The, the domino be. for me is where you're going to put O'Reilly. <laughs> it is important. It's definitely important, whether he's third or second line. But it doesn't... There's no, like, obvious solution here. We still don't mm-hmm. know who the preferred option to play with Tavares is, whether yep. Tavares is going to play wing or center. I think if O'Reilly does play center on the second line, you can kind of put the pieces in place. But it does require... David Camp, then, I think, to play on the third line. And if you're comfortable with that, I think you should be. Should but die. maybe you're not. Because I think you have enough utility around it with Yarn Croak, Achari, Lafferty, and either one of Kerfoot and Engvall. And, of course, Zach Aston Reese on the fourth line. Maybe it's Matthew Nye still on the second line. Uh, yeah, for, and we you still have even to sign that him. contract, and mm-hmm. you have 23. So maybe that's Kerfoot going out the door, just so you can add that contract without having to worry I about mean, the money. Dubas was asked about Matthew Nye's and his development, and I didn't get a sense after watching this press conference twice, that there was any doubt that he's joining this team for the playoff run. I still think it's a little hopeful. Like, look at all the work done. You're leaving. One month ago, we were talking about this guy being a top six contributor in the playoffs. I've never been talking about that. We as in... I've been team trade him if you need to. Wow. You know I have. I know. I And yes, we as in not me and you, maybe. I'm just saying... Part of it, Leafs Nation. Just just hear me out. If you did everything possible, you turn, you un- uncovered every stone to get to this point where your lineup is perfect, mm-hmm. you've maximized your cap space to an unbelievable degree, I will repeat, they have seven forwards under $10 million that are going to play a role on this team in the playoffs. That's pretty remarkable. It's pretty remarkable how they've been able to support their core four. It's made their own their small middle class, which exists or uh, which consists of just Kerfoot and Engvall, expendable. They've done an unbelievable job. But if part of all this hinges on Matthew Nyes making the leap from the NCAA, With playing one two, or games, two games, and then being the uh, second line contributor, no, no, it just no. seems like you're crossing your fingers a little bit and hopeful. Yes, you have guys that can step up and play in that role, and hopefully you can get through. But I don't think all the plans and everything hinges on Matthew Nyes being an impact player come April. I do think some of these... I think it'd be a nice treat. Yes, I do think some of these plans alleviate a lot of the pressure that Matthew Nyes is going to feel coming in with a second-line spot wide open. Who's going to play with Tavares? Well, we've added some players that could help 
in the top six at least, I think there's still an opportunity we see Matthew Nice at least in a couple playoff games. I don't think he's going to play the entire series. I think he'll get an opportunity. I just don't know if it's going to be what carries them through. And I hope not because round. that would be shocking. Okay, so so what's the first domino? Is it O'Reilly? Is it who should be playing with Tavares? What What is like the most important factor for you? I would say O'Reilly. Is it having three lines of impact? Like, so where does where do you want O'Reilly to be? Well, after last weekend when he scored, or last week when we he had a dynamite performance on that second line, he's had one. We've had they've this, had one amazing for sure. game, and, but that that gave us pause on saying I mm-hmm. immediately put him on the third line. We had this conversation. Oh, he can play on the third line, but look how good that second line was. Are you really going to mix that up now? You know, and then now you have Mitch Marner being able to elevate Austin Matthews. For me, it's who's out the door, right? Like, you have a space right now that someone's not going to be on this team. So, mm-hmm. what are you getting? What's the best opportunity? Are you getting rid of Kerfoot when bringing somebody back? Is Zach Aston Reese a weakest link? Do we finally see the end of the Engvall experience? Kerfoot making a million and a quarter less than, or sorry, Engvall making a million and a quarter less than Kerfoot, I think is important because if you add the Nyes, like, I think it's tight mm-hmm. and I, it might have to be Kerfoot. And that would kind of be a shame, I think, as much as I'm like, you need, you can't have Kerfoot on a earning, fourth line making three and a half million. Earning dollars. way too much money in the bottom. Yes. I, like, I understand all these things, and he's not worth three and a half million dollars despite all the versatility he has, especially when, as I mentioned, seven forwards are making less, eight forwards are making less that are going to have obvious roles on this team. He does allow you some flexibility. If there's an injury, he can just slot in there and keep things, keep the line moving. Engvall, I don't think, is as versatile. He's got to probably play on the third line to be anywhere near productive, and I still think that productivity is under further examination. So what's the ripple effect? Is it for you finding out where O'Reilly's going to be? I think that's it. Mm -hmm. I think you have to figure out if John Tavares is going to be playing center or not. I I really enjoy the fact that there is some flexibility, but at the same time, this puzzle needs to fit in a way that we don't really have the answer, and that's exciting. But Sheldon Keefe has a little bit of work cut out for him Tell in the next what. couple of days, too. Mitch Marner might be the first domino. Where is he going to slot in? are you uncomfortable with Nylander, O'Reilly, Tavares as a unit? Like, does that work? Yeah, they're three big names, but does it work? Do you have to have Mitch Marner playing with Austin Matthews because mm-hmm. you need Matthews to be what he was last time out in Seattle? You can't just I clone like, Mitch I guess, Marner and put I guess him on Marner, both lines. Marner's the first domino, and then everything affects everything moving down the lineup with that. And I guess we got to wait for the last move. If there's a last move, maybe there's a freak injury, and they keep everyone, and everything's great. I guess they'd still have to shed one contract because they're at their max right now in order to get Matthew Nyes into the fold. But, yeah, a lot of things that all impact each other have to be figured out here. But the bottom line is you have 13 or 14 capable forwards if Matthew Nyes comes in without... Making making it a necessity that someone else has to come out. All in all, you look at what happened over the last week and a half, two weeks with the Strong Maple Leafs roster. You can't feel like you didn't put them, set them up for almost the best opportunity for success at this playoff run. Yes, goaltending will still remain a question mark. I think it it's going to come down to. It would really be a shame. This is what this is what if Elias Samsonov turned into a pumpkin. This is what I'm feeling. It would be really, and it would be grounds for dis- dismissal. Honestly, and and this what is, are, this what is what argument? I wanted to bring up is you you just got a better forward lineup from top to bottom. You got a tougher defense core to play against. You did this all without losing the biggest prospect that we've talked about all year long. Oh you, man, you you kept you kept, <laughs> you kept yeah. that. Cap, you worked the cap. You didn't like subtract a anything from this roster you to get materially everything better. Everything basically that you could do, but, but you're you... still riding on Ilya Samsonov and Matt Murray in the playoffs. Matt Murray has been a question mark for not just this season but beyond. He's on LTIR. He might come back. We we don't know. He is a wild card. You are putting a lot of eggs in the Samsonov basket, and if this goes poorly, and that is the reason why. Oh, the Toronto Maple Leafs are cursed. <laughs> like, yeah. there's just no other way. Where, did you do everything, but it all comes undone because you overlooked the one and most important thing? You you might get an A-plus at this trade deadline, which you might feel comfortable. A, A-plus, let's say. But was your off-season 
incomplete grade of your two additional goaltenders, what fails you in the end? And again, it's awful, but it could happen. Ilya Samsonov, Ilya Samsonov has been great. He's exceeded expectations. He may be great in the playoffs and it may not matter because maybe the other guy is just a legend and a future Hall of Famer and we already under, we already know that. Maybe it just comes down to that. And maybe there's nothing you can do. Although, I don't think there's like so right now let's say that that Leafs nation is like hungry for a goaltender and there are people in the text line saying let's get someone for let's get a goaltender let's get an, an additional backup goaltender if that's a possibility plan is to bring Murray up that's that's what I'm saying I don't feel like I've heard anything about the Maple Leafs interested in adding another goaltender and to the roster that's the flexibility let's say a goaltender is available there are a couple you could trade cheaper Matt, ones. you could trade Matt Murray and Alexander Kerfoot you could bring in anyone if you really wanted to because Kyle Dubas has put them in that position where they have maximum flexibility. So they have three days to figure that out. I just can't see. I, it feels like he's all in on Samsonov Murray, doesn't it? And it, again, he's, he's been like that all year mi- long. Mi- that would be interesting to now go back on it after that was your stance all summer long. But that's also being adapt, like adapting but as a GM. He just said he wasn't going to trade a first round pick for a rental, mm-hmm. and he got right. No, no, no. I, you don't always take everything that they say. Misdirection to heart. has been his thing. So I don't who's available as a goaltender. If that's a piece that you still want in the next three days, let's ask, we'll ask David Pinota about that because could do there it. are some names. But are you really pumped to get like someone in the text line here saying like Corpusalo? It's 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 like there are some names. Yes, it's pretty much the same thing as McCabe, but you don't have any insurance behind you. Like if McCabe doesn't work on the top pair, he's got the third pair. If Corpusalo doesn't work, I guess he plays behind Samsonov, but it's still the Samsonov thing. Mm-hmm. And why would you even make? spend those assets to get Corvisello. It has to be like a slam dunk to make a lot of sense if you're spending a lot. But if you just want to shed salary, improve the team in other places, maybe get someone who's more reliable as a backup, they step in, great. It's They have three days here. <laughs> they have a lot of time to figure out if they can still improve this team. And Dubas did say he's going to be looking to do that over and the next couple days. And that could be days. like the cherry on top of a really great trade deadline if you can find a way to now... Not only add to forwards, defense, and goaltending, keep your prospect system. Like, that would be actually, like, I don't know what else you could be asking for right now. You could be asking for a goaltender. If you're not happy with this, I don't know what to tell you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. It's, I mean, if they get a goaltender who's better than Samsonov without question, I, I mean, it, we're talking about one of the greatest in season adjustments in the history of this league Truly. in terms of improving your team. Truly. If it doesn't cost them that much. There's some names in the text line that people are just throwing out any goaltender that plays throw hockey. Them out, right throw now. them out. Um here we go. Demco or are you say Soros, Canucks and Predators are sellers. Okay, so <laughs> what we asked who did we ask yesterday about Soros? I think Frank. it was Frank Saravelli, yeah. Y- yeah. Yeah. Sure, I like would take if, you if, say Soros, if it's a young guy for a bad team and you go nice the first round pick in 2024, you, you better em- win the damn cup. The cr- but that then again, you got those guys for a while. And if you, I would do anything if it helps you win for the next three years, mm-hmm. for the as long as the McCabe contract is there for you, that's kind of the timeline. And then you might be looking at a reckoning in three years. You might be looking at one of the core four guys being gone because you don't have enough money. You could be looking at a completely different scenario. But the window has to be explored right now, and that's what they're doing. You couldn't make a move now to affect 2024. You couldn't make a move now, or I don't think you should make a move now to affect 2025. If you're going to make a move, you can spend assets for a surefire young goaltender mm-hmm. that's better than what you have. But to get a Soros, I mean, we're talking the world. Demko maybe not the world, but maybe a bit of a gamble because he's been inconsistent and injured and He's been a part of that whole Vancouver Canucks tire fire, and that's a different story. But Mm -hmm. if you think you can actually upgrade that position for the future right now, now is the time to spend the assets. You might run into a desperate team that needs to do something, and you can take advantage. But the question is if you have enough for a UC Soros. I I don't think Soros is going anywhere. Frank said he doesn't think he's going anywhere, but I would back UC Soros. Yes, the Preds are sellers, but they are keeping some of their big names, like he said this yesterday. He's a young guy who's who could be in the Vesna conversation for the next ten years. Um, last one here. I mean, the, you know, we we can we'll keep talking about this all day long. Um, Brian from Toronto says Shen and or Corpusala are still possible for Leafs. Leafs with the, even without these moves should be considered Stanley Cup favorites. I, I think they're definitely in the conversation, but the path is the path. I will say, and and just back to my point because I'll, I'll ask you about the protection of twenty twenty four. Another little layer of protection and something I really love about the deal, I think it helps them sign Ryan O'Reilly next year. 
because that was the worry, right? Mm-hmm. You gave away a first round pick and you for a rental, Brian you didn't O'Reilly want to do signed. that. He's got the passion. If you're paying Jake McCabe and Sam Lafferty a combined three point one whatever for, two, for one more year, there's space. All these economical moves add up and it'll help you actually retain the one guy you have a risk on and accepted risk on, which was Ryan O'Reilly. All this could work out beautifully here. Um, one more thing before we take a break. We've got a full show ahead. We've got some great guests today. We've got David Pignota, who's joining us from the fourth period. He's been all over the trade deadline. John Morosi, MLB insider, of course, joining us from Dunedin, I believe, down there checking out Jay's spring training. Pierre Maguire is going to join us at 8 a.m. P. And Peter Galindo at 8.30 to talk about the news with Candace Soccer. Nick Bontis resigned as president of Candace Soccer yesterday um, in wake of the letter from Provincial and uh, territory soccer leaders asking him to step down, basically forcing him out. But yes, technically he did resign. There's lots going on with this. What's next for Canada soccer could not be more important. It's already been important with the CBA that's pending, but now you're going to have a different person running this and hopefully they can find the right fit. We'll talk about that with Peter Galindo at 830. Um, you can send in your wake and rake picks as well. The Raptors are hosting the Chicago Bulls at 730 p.m. tonight at Scotiabank Arena. So you'll have that. Uh, the Jays do also play today. Um, I guess the Tigers live at 1 p.m. on Sportsnet, sportsnet.ca, and the Sportsnet app. Lots to stay tuned for. Uh, we'll take a break. We'll do the A-list on the other side. Keep sending in your song suggestions as well for our March song to keep you going through the, the darkness and into the light. We have mm-hmm. some songs that are that theme. Like, okay. We're breaking through a little that's, bit. That's definitely the right theme. warmth and sun maybe. Mm-hmm. At least inspiring it. Um, yeah, send in your your projected lineup as well. I'm I'm enjoying reading some of these line combinations. I'm liking the options people are f- throwing out for goaltending. We'll we'll bring it all up today. Um, lots to um, unpack. Let's do the A list on the other side, and then Peter. Gl- oh no, not Peter Glendo. David Pinota. That's next. Sportsnet five ninety. Now it's time for hey, yo. the A list. Bing bong. Bing bong. What's up, baby? All right. I got two stories about side hustles. First okay. one. First one is a smashing success. The second one. Are these your side hustles? No, they're not. I have none. This is a smashing <laughs> success. None. Until, and then the you second know? one is... Pending disaster, okay? Okay. First up, Blake Martinez, a former uh, NFL linebacker. Who former? Played, yeah, he suddenly retired. Did he? During the 2022 season. Oh. Right in the that? middle of the season. Yeah, really? it was strange. Yep. Was playing for the Raiders at the time. Decide, mm, I'm going to... Oh, he's a Raider, that's why. Yeah. I don't... Do you blame him? He retired mid-season to dedicate his time to his side hustle, which is buying and selling Pokemon cards. Okay. A very serious business that he has been running so much so this uh, this actually kind of bothers me oh just you wait it's gonna get worse okay he has made reportedly since this 2022 offseason five million dollars in revenue okay selling pokemon cards at least he didn't like, like it was a proven concept at least for him he knew what he was doing yeah he's an expert apparently he's a specialist he created a company blake's breaks and he has been selling Pokemon cards, including a rare Pikachu card for $672,000 in October. So what's the process? Like, did he go he into says, someone's attic and pull this out? Like, what? How did buying he acquire and selling, maybe going on eBay and scrounging up deals that people are, you know, not valuing cards properly, locating them across the world, the country. Well, I don't really get know. get an email from Blake's Breaks, just... Turn it down. <laughs> Spam. <laughs> yeah. But no, he's le- he's legitimately created a multi-million dollar successful company after retiring from the NFL and saying, you know what? I love this. I want to do this. I'm going to find a way. And he has. So if you have any rare Pokemon cards, you might be sitting on a gold mine. I was going to say hit him up or don't hit him up. Don't hit him up. Do it yourself. He will steal all your profit. Um, uh, I tell you yeah. why it bothers me. Because you've lived this dream, the dream of a professional athlete. <laughs> All I could have been doing is Pokemon, selling Pokemon cards. No, it's not even about that. It's like he gave up on the dream. Mm. How many people want his shoes to walk in? And he's just like, nah, this isn't for me. I'm going to start a, years old. start a memorabilia shop. 
In seven months, he made more than $5 million. Good thing he's good at it. On this platform called Whatnot, I don't really know much about the process of buying and selling um, Pokemon cards, but, I mean, there's something there. I, there's probably listeners that have some rare memorabilia. Are you sitting on a gold mine of Pokemon cards? You might have, be. Have you ever thought you found something that is worth it? Never worth in my life have I money? ever thought I had something worth any money. <laughs> okay. <laughs> well, my, my Nana once called me and was like, I have these stamps. Oh, stamps. My Nana was like, a coin yes. collector. Mine was the coins. We're going to make some money off these stamps or coins or whatever. And then you like someone just like, yeah, sorry. They're not. You're not going to get anything for this. Uh, that's a bummer. My, my Nana had And the then coins. my Nana's like, go to another one. And I'm like, yeah, okay, I'll go to another one. What was your Nana's name? I, I feel like sure. Nana's all have cute names. Victoria. Okay, mine was Flora. Flora? Isn't that beautiful? That is nice. Flora. She nice. had the coin collection. Did I the, think I might have inherited, actually. I feel a little pressure, I should actually. take a look. I feel a little pressure to make sure these stamps don't aren't lost in vain. Yeah, don't toss like them. Like, I need to find some, only some dummy to, <laughs> to take it. I need, Not Blake I Martinez. I need the people that Blake Martinez are ripping off <laughs> in order right. to make sure that I profit off these stamps. Okay, so side hustle number one, clearly profitable for Blake Martinez. But here could be a possible side hustle for our favorite A-list celebrity, Tom Brady. Reportedly, Tom Brady is interested in giving stand-up comedy a go. I hope he does. I really hope he does. Is that right? Don't you want to see it? Don't you want to see him fail it's at something? It's like watching a car crash. Yeah, don't you want to see that? Yeah. Like, it'll be really uncomfortable, because bad stand-up comedy is really uncomfortable. But I would like to see Tom Brady fail at something. Stand-up comedy is probably one of the hardest things you could ever do. And you yes. got to be, you got to own it and be damn good at it because it's not an easy process to get to the top. Tom Brady's are going to have a lot of eyeballs on him the first time he tries to do a Netflix special <laughs> or whatever he's thinking. Yeah. But I think he might be going through something right now. He might be. He might be going through something. He definitely might be. Anyway, he to, maybe probably, he can get into the, it'd be better if he, like if he got into the Pokemon card business. No, I'd rather soon do the stand-up comedy so we can watch and you know how many clips we could play in the A-list of him trying to make how does, how does he like, because there's humble beginnings for a stand-up comic, right? Like, is he like in the mirror trying out jokes on himself? Probably. He's definitely in front of the mirror. My cousin is a successful stand-up comic. She's killing it. She had to grind it out for well, a I long time. I showed up, Hannah. Showed up your successful Steph stand-up Tolev. comic. Steph Tolev. T-O-L-E-V. Where can we find Steph Netflix. Tolev stuff? She's on Netflix. She's, on Netflix? she's host. She lives in LA. She's killing what? it. Yep. How do I not? She's legit. I'm just hearing about I'll this now? I'll send you links. She's a bit explicit, so don't play it around your kids, okay? That's fun. <laughs> Steph Tolov. All right, let's take a break because we've got, not Steph Tolov, David Peniota on the other side. We've got John Morosi at 7.30, Pierre Maguire at 8, Peter Galindo at 8.30, a full day of content coming on the Fan Morning Show, and that starts next.